Broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout and discussing everything that has been taking place in the geek world over the past 168 hours. Well, give or take. It's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 156. I'm Schmitty. I'm Zonert. And I'm Zook. And this is the episode for the week of Monday, March 24th. Uh... It's very late for us. We've been recording all night. We just got off a really awesome interview with Fred Schroeder from the movie, from the documentary Stripped, uh, which is about uh, comic strips and web and print and just awesome, awesome. You should definitely check out the interview and check it out at uh, strippedfilm.com. Uh, we definitely will be buying it when it comes out. I'm super excited for it. Yeah, now our interview is not at strippedfilm.com. That's where you can find stuff about the movie. Our interview will be at stolendroids.com. Be posting it up on Wednesday. Right, just in case you hadn't yet figured out where we put our podcast. Well, you said you can. We did the interview, and you can find it at <laughs> strippedfilm.com. It's confusing. People are going to go there thinking, "Where are these guys? They lied." It's after midnight for us. I think we're confused in general. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we get any further down into the confusion, we want to give a shout out to our friends over at trekradio.net, cryptonradio.com, openbookaudio.com, and stitcher.com. Also, um, we want to give a shout out to our friends at 4814, the best dang web hosts we've ever had. Uh, you can get set up there. They'll take care of you, set you up with a virtual private server, help you migrate WordPress, Joomla, anything you have, they can host it, and their support is second to none. That's 48-14.com for all your web hosting needs. also want to bring up again Eagle Moss Limited. Uh, if you don't know them by name, you probably have seen their stuff. Um, I just got my first miniature from them. It is the Enterprise D, and uh, I am, I've been showing it off to the guys here. It is very sweet. It is just the highest quality. Everything about it just screams excellent quality. And it comes with a really awesome information booklet as well. I think I've said awesome more times in the last five minutes than I have in the last six months. It merits that. Awesome. It does. It does merit it. It is it's super cool. I think it's more detailed than the model they had on the TV series. Oh Yeah. Uh, it is that detailed. And it's only... You know, it's only like five or six inches long. It's quite impressive. Anyway, check out the uh, Eagle Moss Limited. You can find them by visiting the banner at the top of StolenDroids.com. Uh, you get a special discount when you sign up through that uh, and get your own models like this. They have a really awesome run for the uh, the Star Trek line. But if you keep browsing on their site, they also have some Firefly stuff and some Doctor Who stuff. It's really, really cool. It's really, really awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is, and, and it looks high quality, which is the most important thing, you know. Not only, well, not only does it look high quality, but it is high quality. Yeah. Good hey, distinction there. <laughs> yeah, good, good point. Yeah. Hey, we want to give uh, a uh, some shining light on some feedback we got. Uh, first off, the feedback that we didn't have a pre-show for this episode. We apologize. We were actually recording our interview uh, with Fred Schroeder. And that's why I think you'll understand, because it's a really good interview. When you hear it, you'll understand why we had to... There's just some scheduling concerns there. Uh, but it was really, really, really fun. Also, we got some other feedback uh, where we were asked a question, I think, by... It's from Nathan Little on... Uh, on Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. On, on the Twitter. <laughs> on the twits. Tweets. On the twit. Yes, he, he tweeted to us, If I wanted to talk to someone about the possibilities of building a website... Who should I ask? That's a good question. And it's one we actually, 
even though we haven't gotten it here on the air a lot, we have gotten it uh, personally from friends, from family. Everyone wants to know how, who can build me a website. Schmitty? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's always a good question, isn't it? <laughs> I, I think, though, it really depends on what you're looking for the website to do. Are you looking yeah. for a simple family blog? You know, if that's the case, then Blogger or WordPress will work for you. If you're looking to create a multi-million dollar international conglomerate, then you might need to hire somebody out for that. Um, we've used, we used to spon- be sponsored by Squarespace.com. You guys remember that? And if you're looking for a really, really slick looking website that you don't mind paying really a modest amount for, they don't sponsor us anymore. I'm saying this because I believe in it. Uh, they're a good option to look at. They have a pretty simple editor. They have a lot of baseline themes that you can tweak to your heart's content. Uh, and they'll host it for you as well. Yeah, if you don't know anything about uh, programming or, or building a website, that's a really good place to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you know a little bit about it, I mean, it's kind of like what Zahner said. You can actually get started with your own WordPress site at WordPress.com. Uh, that's different than WordPress.org, where you can just download your own WordPress installation. They'll host it for you there. I think Larry Korea does his that way. Um, a lot of people actually do it that way. You get your own site dot wordpress.com and again yeah bloggers still really really good but it kind of depends on what you're looking for now i happen to know nathan well not personally i I know i've spoken a bit with him and and i know kind of his background uh nathan if you're asking for you and what you're working on i would give serious uh consideration to squarespace.com so i think that would work well for your particular project Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Tell them who sent you. <laughs> Tell them to start sending checks again. We like that. <laughs> All right. Um, into our headlines. Unless, unless anyone else had anything to add to that. Nope. No, I think that yeah. I think that that was fairly adequately covered. Back in the day, I used to uh, um, volunteer Schmitty services, and I think he'd lynch me if I did that now. <laughs> Yeah, I don't do that now. My, you can't afford me now. <laughs> Just kidding. I think I think Schmitty's wife would actually kill me if I volunteered him for any more websites. Yep. yep. Okay, into our headlines this week. It's been kind of a Google week. Yeah, a lot of Google news. It's Not all of it of great. No. <laughs> And the first one that comes up actually directly, well, not so much anymore, but it would have directly influenced you two. If you hadn't upgraded your phones, Google Google Wallet, which is the tap-to-pay wallet service on Android, has been in use now for, what, a year and a half now? Almost a year and a half? Almost a year and a half, yeah. Yeah, and this is where you can register your, your credit card or your debit card or your payment, different payment options with Google Wallet, and then use it from your phone to pay for things, including tap-to-pay, using the NFC chip on some phones. Zoner, I know you were using it a lot. No, you were using i. You were using ISIS, weren't you? I was using ISIS. I got my Nexus Five. I can't use ISIS anymore because of Google Wallet. Uh, Google like has banned other mobile wallets from getting on their phones. However, I have used Google Wallet and it works very well. Well, it's about to stop working for a lot of people, 
they have decided to uh, put in place a requirement that if you want to use Google Wallet, you have to be using KitKat. This is starting April 14th, and I don't know. I think this is kind of a, a douchey thing to pull. It's what yeah. Apple does, though. Yeah, but don't we expect better from Google? Not anymore. Well, yeah. I Well, okay. <laughs> I, I don't want to be sounding like I'm coming to their defense um, because... Uh, of my love-hate relationship with Google. But in a way, um, I think they're trying to do... Um, I, I think they're trying to get away from the image that they have created for themselves up until now. They've been getting so much flack about um, being lax on security or um, it, just having a lot of loose screws. I think this is part of their attempt to tighten up all their screws, um, you know, run a, run a better ship... Uh, run, run a tighter ship, I guess. Um, because, I mean, we're, we're seeing them uh, require all the manufacturers to have the latest version of Android now, and they're, uh, they're doing a lot more things that seem to be more secure. I think this is part of that. I think they're trying to get more into the enterprise market and, and into the payment market where they have failed previously. So. I, I can understand that, and I don't fault them for that, even though I just called the move douchey. The reason <laughs> I think it's an issue is because this isn't a new feature that they're saying won't be available on older phones. This is a feature that older phones already had. Yeah, it's like In my mind, even though I, I understand it's not an apples-to-apples comparison, it's almost like saying after April 14th, anything older than Android KitKat... Won't be able to send MMS messages. Sorry. This yeah, is that a would be a douchey move. This is a feature that Android has already had. The only requirement up until now was an NFC chip. Yeah, the, well, the only difference between uh, that analogy is that everyone uses MMS. They have a very small user base on, on I get, Google I get Wallet. That. And most of those Google, Google Wallet users are already running KitKat. So... It's a calculated risk that I, th- I think they they thought a lot about. Well, no, I wouldn't say they're already using it because a lot of carriers have not rolled the KitKat update to all phones. This That's is a good point. Yeah. This is something that not all users have direct control over. But not a lot of users have been able to actually use Google Wallet because the carriers have blocked it from the phones. Verizon. <laughs> yeah, Verizon. <laughs> Sorry, what was that, Schmidty? I didn't quite hear your disdain. <laughs> well, yeah, I was I was stuck between where I I could only use ISIS because I'm on Verizon, and now I can't use either because Google's blocking ISIS and Verizon's blocking Google Wallet. So kind of stuck. And, and even if you could use Google Wallet, if you didn't have KitKat, and I realize you do, but if you didn't have KitKat, you still couldn't use Wallet. It, this is just, it seems like so many hurdles are being placed artificially here to really screw over one person, one group of people, and that is the consumer. And it's just, it's really a crappy thing to do. I don't know that it's necessarily to screw over the consumer. I think that Google has a vision and they're trying to move forward, forward with it. Good on them, you know, good luck. Hopefully it's successful. But I think that what you're, it, it's kind of like with the cable companies and the networks oh well we don't have a deal with you so you can't broadcast our shows it's kind of like that there at least that's how i see it google is not playing nice with the carriers who are not playing nice so 
I don't know. Yeah. Right. Well, and let's add another person. It's the it's software developers. I mean, if this wasn't Google Wallet, if this was anything else, uh, Google doesn't allow. Oh, I don't know. Microsoft Office. Google says you cannot put Microsoft Office onto an Android device. We will not let you. That's making it so that you have to go with their stuff. And that is literally what's happening here. We won't allow you to install software onto our open source-ish operating system. The one that used to be advertised as being totally open and you can put anything on there you want. We won't let you. You have to go with our branded solution. How is this not the start of a monopoly on the phone front? Oh, you're, it totally is. It totally is. And, you know, an interesting thing is I, I was upset when I figured out I couldn't put ISIS on my Nexus 5 because, i got to be honest, I was getting a free Jamba Juice a day. <laughs> yeah. I, I drank a lot of Jamba Juices. But, um, and I still, I still crave them fortnightly. <laughs> <laughs> Up to the but, point where the Jamba Juice employees would see you enter and sigh. Oh, man, here comes the ISIS guy again. Sorry, <laughs> NFC reader's broken. <laughs> they would see me pull up in front of their store and they would start making my order before I was out of the car. <laughs> That's how many Jamba Juices I was drinking because ISIS was giving them for free. But even on a rooted Nexus 5, I haven't rooted mine, but I did the research. People couldn't install ISIS. Google would not allow it to work even on a rooted device, which that's pretty crazy if you ask me. I think in the end, all this is doing is helping Google Wallets. And we should clarify, it's not Google Wallet. It's Google Wallet's tap-to-pay feature. Because you yes. can still use Google Wallet on any phone, on any Android. You just can't use the tap-to-pay function. But isn't that the whole benefit of using Google Wallet? Yeah, that's the whole point. Yeah. I well, I have my Google Wallet card, though. So I, I think this is... <laughs> Wait a minute. What? Yeah, there's a Google Wallet card that you you can use. It, I, I use it just like a debit card, and it. So you have a card that acts as a virtual representation of these other cards that are virtual representations of money. <laughs> if only I could load Bitcoin from it. <laughs> I. Uh, are you sure you can? I was about to say. <laughs> Not anymore. Not with. The, yeah. All I think I'm thinking is that this is all this is going to do is help Google Wallet become just another product that languages languishes in obscurity. If you can't use its most useful feature, why use it at all? I think that's a very real concern, and that's a good point. Maybe what they're thinking though is with the mandate that if you're going to be releasing new phones, you've got to have new software on it. It's going to be forcing everybody to be putting this on so it's not going to be a big deal my question then turns into okay so you're forcing everyone into kitkat which is the latest greatest and really isn't the newest when you consider it's been out for what now 10 months nine months eight months yeah yeah okay so what happens then when whatever the next one is lima bean comes out okay lemon meringue whatever I it love is lima beans yeah candied lima beans okay what happens when the next version comes out and all these people who have just bought in kitkat phones so they can use this obscure feature that maybe their carrier doesn't support all of a sudden now they're being told sorry uh-uh has to be on whatever this new version is keep in mind most people try and keep their phones close to two years 
How are we going to start seeing that change, though, with the way that T-Mobile is has shaken up the market? Most people, people can only afford a new phone every two years. But if you're on the Jump program, you can get a new phone every six months, so it's not a big deal. You're still paying. Yeah, One way you or are. another, you're still paying. No, I, I don't disagree with that, but it makes it more realistic and, and affordable for people to jump to a new phone every few months. But no, I totally see your point. I I just, I I hope that this isn't a bad slope we're going down. Uh, In terms of a good slope, we have Google announcing that it's going to be changing the price of its Drive plans. Uh, Google Drive, of course, uh, used to be Google Docs. It's their online storage, kind of similar to Dropbox or Box. There's a lot of Box-named ones. iCloud, OneDrive... Uh, it's where you can store documents, files, spreadsheets, all sorts of different things. And it's one of the few that also has a free plan. Even if you're not, even if you don't subscribe to other services, you still have 15 gigs free. Now, it's very popular. We use it for our show notes. I know a lot of other shows do as well, and it serves our purposes quite fine. But what if you need something a little bit more? Well, you can now pay. Um, up to $100 a month, and that's up to, there's plans lower than that, to store over 10 terabytes worth of documents on there. Uh, plans are free for 15 gigs, $2 a month for, well, it's $1.99, I'm just going to round it, $2 a month for 100 gigs, $10 a month for a terabyte, and $100 a month for 10 terabytes. What on earth could you be storing on the cloud that's 10 terabytes? <laughs> Yeah, if you got the, you know, your family uh, movies and stuff. Uh, and they're all in 4K? And, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they do also have a 20 terabyte plan for $200 and a 30 terabyte plan for $300. So, I mean, they're, and the, and this is, these prices are cheap compared to what you'll find anywhere else. In fact, I don't think there are any other storage places that offer 10 terabytes. I think you're right. Uh, my only thing that I could think that it would, possibly be useful for is online backup less like an open working space like what we use drive for and more of almost like a mosey style backup yeah in which case you know a hundred dollars a month for over 10 terabytes worth of storage is really 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 affordable that is yeah now if you already do have a, a google drive storage plan um make sure you go to your account page and uh and choose the associated plan that you have. So if you're if you're already paying for 100 gig, make sure you go and switch it to the dollar 99 plan. Um, I was I was doing I was on the 499 plan for 100 gig, and it looked like it was going to keep that unless I switched to the dollar 99 one. I'm not sure if that's the case, but just just go check it out. Make sure you switch to the cheaper one. So good call. Uh, top tip there. Also in uh, other Google rumors, well, really more of an educated forecast than just a rumor, uh, but there is talk that Google Voice may be going away. Now, if you don't know what Google Voice is, chances are you've used it more often than you thought. Google Voice was originally Google's voice over IP solution. You could get yourself a phone number, make calls from your computer, send text messages, and receive voicemails as well. When the Android phone came out, Google Voice got roped in there and inadvertently 
that most people didn't even realize it, but they were using some of Google Voice's services. Now, you could go and get your Google Voice number linked to your Android phone. Really, this is sounding kind of complicated, and it's because it was never really well realized by Google. It was very, very powerful. Uh, Schmitty has his phone number and his Google Voice number. I have a Google Voice number um, in addition to my normal phone number. But it just it wasn't really easy for everyone else. Yeah, the the hope was that they could get it integrated directly into the phone, but has never been able to realize that yet. Yeah, so with how they've been doing everything else, the current forecast is that Google will be rolling voice features into Hangouts. This is not a surprising forecast, considering everything else they've been doing on Hangouts. The question is kind of, how will they do it? And what's going to change? Yeah, it, it begs the question, um, is it going to improve Google Voice? Google Voice seems to have been, um, as Zook said, almost a poor implementation of, of what they wanted to have. It always seems really clunky. Sometimes it doesn't work. Um, and it doesn't support MMS, which is the media messages over, over text. Um, and so is, is this going to improve those functions and, uh, as they integrate it into Hangouts? Or are we just going to see simply, you know, all those, all the current clunkiness embedded straight into Hangouts? It's it'll be odd to find out what what's going on there. So. Well, we've seen some issues, and we were talking about this earlier tonight with Hangouts. Hangouts isn't what it used to be. So, if they're adding even more to Hangouts, is it going to improve the Hangout experience, or is it just going to continue to degrade it like it has? Yeah, uh, for those of a, those of you who don't know, um, we typically get together on Google Hangouts so we can all talk with each other and see each other and have a face-to-face-to-face conversation, as it were, while recording. Lately, however, Google Hangouts has caused us such problems, and those of you who have joined us in the pre-show can attest to this, that we're not using it right now. We've fallen back to Skype. Uh, this is our first week back on Skype in, I think, over a year, but... It's working, and Hangouts isn't. So, you know, what do you do? And I think, Zoner, you're right. I think a lot of it has to do with how many features they've been pouring into Hangouts to try and unify their messaging solution. And it just isn't as robust. Well, I shouldn't say robust. It just isn't as smooth as it used to be. No, it's not. It's it's like they overfed it at Thanksgiving dinner, and now it can't get up. <laughs> it's just sitting there on the couch with this top couple buttons undone. Yep. Watching the football game, thinking, dang, I want some pie. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if they're waiting for computers to catch up to it. Because, I, I mean, we've been, uh, we three have been talking amongst ourselves about issues we've been having with Chrome and Hangouts. Um, and I haven't been encountering any of these issues, mainly because I'm running 32 gigs of RAM and an 8-core processor. But, um, and I wonder if that's it. I wonder if they're preparing for the future, which is unfortunate for those that. Well, that's, that's not a good excuse, though. No, you know, I know. But it's, it kind of makes me wonder if that's where they're headed. I mean, they're, they, they have that faux motto of shoot for the moon. Um, so, just speculating, really. The problem with that is, and that's not a bad theory. 
But the problem with that theory is the fact that my laptop, which is not brand new but still quite powerful, has 16 gigs of RAM, an 8-core processor, and an SSD. It's about three years old, and it's having problems with Hangouts. That's a good point. My computer still outperforms most of the computers out there. Yours is like a freak of a machine. But if my computer's having problems running it, what hope does the rest of the population have? Yeah. So, and and that would also kind of fly in the face of Google's MO. Because, yeah, Google has always shot for the moon, but it's always been in such a way that they could take everyone with it. <laughs> Shoot for the moon and blow it up and chunks rain down on the Earth. And <laughs> they, they, they've, they haven't so much shot for the moon like NASA does and more shot for the moon like Wallace and Gromit do. <laughs> <laughs> Good call. <laughs> Jeez. Now, I, the part that worries me is I use Google Voice primarily for my voicemails. Little known fact, if you have your voicemail set up through Google Voice, it will record all your voicemails, store them forever, and you can also download them as MP3s, which are great when people leave you incriminating voicemails. <laughs> and it's also fun to, to uh, read the transcription that Google gives you. It's oh, yeah, that's, that's usually hilarious. Not, usually not spot on. It's usually horrible. Fun fact <laughs> I was not able to get Google Voice to properly work for my voicemail on my Nexus 5. Well, that's interesting. It is very interesting. I couldn't get it to work right. And huh. yet somehow not surprising. Yes. <laughs> the, the two things I hope they fix, um, it, whether or not it's with an integration or not, um, and I, I brought one of them up before, is that Google Voice does not support MMS. My family lives on sending pictures over text message and if they send it to my google voice number i never get it 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 doesn't even send me a courtesy text saying someone tried sending a picture so that's one feature i hope they fix um another one is that they they broke google talk when they when they integrated with google hangouts google talk was on the uh, jabber protocol and so you could use trillion with it or miranda or any other third-party chat program and now that's broken so there's my rant. I hope I hope they fix those instead of trying to make them more robust. I, I <laughs> so yeah. The the biggest thing I think I worry about, not just in the voicemail scene, but I use Google Voice even though I'm on a Windows phone because of the whole voicemail system. If it's now going to be integrated into Hangouts, that means it's being taken from me entirely. Because you don't have Hangouts on Windows Phone. Well, maybe this will mean that, that you finally get Hangouts on your phone. Or maybe it means <laughs> yeah, it right. switches back to Android. I, there's, I mean, well, you laugh until it says, oh, by the way, and Hangouts will only be available on Lemon Meringue. Have fun <laughs> with that. Or or it'll go back to, the, to uh, where they had Google Voice be more of like a forwarding service for your phone, where you have that intermediate number that you had to call to... Yeah, it, I don't know if you, any of you remember that. No, I do. Before okay, before it was integrated with the smartphone, it was it was a pain to use. So maybe you'll go back to that, Zoot. Joy. <laughs> hey, um, talking about changing things up, Google has also announced that they're going to be encrypting Gmail. Now, a point of clarification on this. Last year, they said that they were going to be rolling out SSL protection on Gmail, but you were still able to disable it. For reasons I don't understand, why would you do that? Oh, well, you, now you were able to enable it. They didn't have it enabled by default. <laughs> oh, I thought they had it enabled by default, and 
Mine wasn't. I had to go enable it. So. You enabler. <laughs> well, now they have said that uh, they're going to push it for So it's now you can't turn it off. It's about time. Well, and it was really funny is we're reading here from the next web uh, quote without specifically naming the NSA. Google says this change was quote made a top priority after last summer's revelations. <laughs> uh, of course, I wonder if this is going to do anything. Honestly, we've talked before about the NSA and the data breaches that have happened and how supposedly rumor has come out that the NSA can bypass any encryption. Yeah. So what good is an SSL layer on your Gmail going to do? Yeah, if anything, it'll take a few extra CPU clicks for the NSA to read your, read your email. Big it gives <laughs> people the false sense of security, though. That's I'm, what it's yeah. all about. And I do feel a little bit better that anyone who isn't the NSA will still have a harder time. Oh, yeah, definitely. The average, your average Joe Schmo hacker off the street trying to read your emails will have a lot harder time get to get your email. So there's that added sense of security. The problem is with email security, however, is that nearly all data breaches happen from one of two places. First off is the NSA that you can't do anything to fit, to solve. And the second one is not by hacking or intercepting. It's by human engineering. Social, social, yeah. Yeah. Social engineering. Um, when she was still the vice presidential candidate, Sarah Palin's email was compromised and printed the entire bunch of it. Why? Because someone else went in, opened up her Wikipedia page, and started answering the security questions. What is your hometown? They looked it up and found it. What was the name of your first dog? And for some reason, it's in the Wikipedia page. What's your husband's middle name? Boom, they were in. I'm sorry, no layer of SSL is going to stop that. It's gonna. Uh, you're still going to be prone to data breaches from people who know your password, people who know you well enough to figure out your password, or just good old social engineering. Or if you leave Gmail open on your computer and don't lock your computer. <laughs> or if you your password is stored by one of those web password wallets and it's one two three four five. You know, I mean, this is a good thing for Google to do. I'm not trying to disparage that at all. It's a good thing that they're doing it. It honestly doesn't take a whole lot of effort for them to do it, and it saves a lot of face. They can say that they've done what is necessary. But don't for a second think that it makes your email safe or that it's no longer your responsibility to protect it. Exactly. Sorry, that's my soapbox for the day. <laughs> I'm just upset that you threw out a one two three four five password and there was no luggage reference. <laughs> well, and what's worse now is everyone who's heard this this uh, podcast goes, "Great, now I can't use that." Zook just said it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Zoner was going to be upset that we told everyone his password. <laughs> I thought about going that route, but I thought, no, let's go let's go the spaceballs route instead. Man, I need to change the luggage the combination of my luggage. <laughs> You know what's really, really bad? Okay, and this is an example of social engineering to a degree. We found a padlock, a combination padlock that we use on our um, our luggage rack on top of our minivan. We used it a year ago and then lost it. And I found it again about a month ago. Wanted to use it, and I couldn't figure out what the combination was. My wife and I sat there trying all different um, combinations we could think of birthdays, our anniversary, the year we met, the date we met, uh, some kind of strange combination of our kids. 
and we just decided we could not figure it out, and we were going to throw it away. My stepson, my 10-year-old stepson, sees it, huh, click, 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 and opens it up. How did you do that? How on earth did you do that? What was it? Oh, Zook, it's our address. <laughs> so, I mean, social engineering can be a lot simpler than most people realize. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's awesome. You got owned by your kid. I totally <laughs> did. I evidently made it too easy. I Too easy to guess. I was overthinking it. Okay, into our last Google headline, and this is only kind of Google, it's more Android, but last week we talked about Android Wear, the tiny little SDK that came out, and I took the stance that I saw this just bringing out a whole bunch of cheap crapware, shovelware I called it, um, hardware that we wouldn't actually want to use, really, really cheap stuff. Then Motorola and LG showed off what they were building with Google Wear, and I am eating crow. Holy cow. <laughs> I will fully admit I was 100% wrong on this one, I think. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll it hasn't that. come out yet. We don't know if you're wrong just yet. Right, right. Um, okay, so Moto360 is their smartwatch, and the LG G Watch is LG's, because everything has to start with a G. The G-Watch is a square face like you would expect most smartwatches to be. The Moto 360 is round. And, and looks that's, gorgeous. <laughs> I, I know it sounds like I'm, I'm being really, really all cool about something that sounds quite dumb, but in truth, it is gorgeous. It is a bezel-to-bezel -bezel round OLED screen. It is gorgeous looking. And what's more is it's not what we used to see with the Galaxy Gear. I was worried about more Galaxy Gear clones using this Android Wear. It's not. It's basically a Google Now on a watch. Yeah. Which is really, really cool. And it's kind of like the... So the SDK for Android Wear um, has been released, and you can even download um, the emulator for it and, and start coding for it if, if you so desire. Um, but... In, in poking through it a little bit, I, I found that it it's a, it works a lot like what Google Glass is. And I wonder if this is um, the evolution of the Google Glass software, because the interface is almost identical, but with a lot more features. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, you, like like Zook said, it's, it's fully integrated with Google Now. Um, developers are able to uh, make their own Google Now cards, make their own... Um, Voice activated actions, um, and and it's and it's a two way street. You can have audio going back and forth between um, your device and your phone, so it's it it's looking a lot better than than we initially thought. Now that does, however, bring up a slight issue. Uh, Schmidt and I had it back and forth on this bef in before we started recording. Fisticuffs, <laughs> and, and we're still not entirely sure on what's going to be happening, but. Originally, I thought this was going to be just awesome. Well, uh, no. Full disclosure, originally, last week, I thought this was going to be stupid. Once I saw this, I figured, oh, no, no, this is going to be cool. Because what it looked like in all the videos we've seen and what press releases we've gotten is that the phone is a standalone device. It runs its own Android. You sign into it. Everything's great. It's its own Google Now. And I'm thinking, awesome. I could have a Google Now watch and my Windows Phone handset and have the best of both worlds. 
And sure, the Google Now Watch is going to need the Bluetooth connection to the phone so it can get out to the internet, but really, so what? Right? But then it was announced that the Google, that the Android Wear, the Moto 360 and the LG G Watch would only work on and- when paired to devices that were Android 4.3 or above. And that suddenly raised a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Why? Why does it need to be paired to Android 4.3 or above? If, like what we've been led to believe, the only thing it's getting from the phone is a network connection, then it shouldn't matter what phone it's paired with. Right. And, and that's that's a good and valid point. Um, but it doesn't seem like that's the direction that Google is going. As, as we've seen with Google Glass and Chromecast and, and now Android Wear, uh, when you're developing something for that, or or when you have an app that's that's working with your wearable device, it's the app resides on your phone and pushes information to your device, and so it's it has to be um, coming from an Android device to go to this other Android device. Um, but if that's the case, then it's not doing what they say it's doing in the video or in the the press release. It's not its own device that's pulling data. It is almost like a remote screen that the phone is running. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think I think parts of the, the the PR video got it wrong, and I and I don't know who's to blame for that. Um, and I wonder if it's just um, a, a problem with translation of technical documents, because um, it is almost as far as the SDK goes, it's almost identical to what um, Google Glass is. So. Though, to be honest, we saw the same thing when Google Glass came out. You guys remember that promotional video? Yeah. The guy exactly. walking down the street, uh, being able to figure out what song he was listening to and buying it, getting turn-by-turn directions to meet up with a friend, taking a picture and sending it to them of what he was looking at. And then we saw Google Glass, and they said, yeah, sorry, it doesn't really do any of that yet. Yeah. At all. <laughs> the, the potential is there, um, but the way the SDK is written... It it's not happening anytime soon. <laughs> Google Glass right now is basically just a webcam taped to your head. <laughs> That's an awesome visual there. Uh, well, it, it is. I mean, right now, that's its only primary use. Google no, that, that's why it's cards. such an awesome description, because it's so appropriate. So I... It's very possible the PR department simply doesn't know what the crap is going on. Now, there is another possibility, too. And, again, this is all conjecture because no one has told us anything, right. which is the most frustrating thing about this. But here's the other idea. Who can here can tell me how to configure a Chromecast? Now, for those of you who have forgotten, the Chromecast is the little stick you can plug into the back of your TV and stream things from your phone or from your Google Play Store to your TV. <laughs> I can tell you exactly how to do it because I've done it three times. You don't do it from the TV, do you? No. So, so go ahead and tell everyone. So, okay, so you plug in your Chromecast into your into your TV, uh, switch it to the HDMI channel uh, that you've plugged it into, uh, and it gives you a little interface that shows you um, shows you the uh, network. Um, the network ID that it is giving out currently. If, you, if this is the first time you plugged it in, it provides its own network. You then connect to that network with your phone. So now your phone, um, phone's Wi-Fi is connected to only your Chromecast. 
you give the Chromecast your Wi-Fi um, credentials. You, you tell it which of, of the available Wi-Fi networks is yours and how to connect to it. And then it goes on its own little journey to try to connect to your Wi-Fi. Um, and the, the uh, display on the TV will tell you whether or not it's successful. Once it's successful, then you connect back to your Wi-Fi uh, network, and from there, you can then control your Chromecast. So, in the Chromecast's <laughs> case, I mean, this is all really convoluted. It's Very really convoluted. backwards. But at the same time, I kind of understand that there really wasn't any other way for them to do it. Not yet. But the question is, is, is that why... Android Wear requires an Android 4.3 device or higher, not because it needs an Android to stream from, but because it needs an Android to configure. Because remember, these watches have no other interface. And in fact, both Motorola and LG have been very secretive. We don't even know how these things charge. Black magic. Uh, Evidently. (laughs) They haven't said wireless charging, which would make sense because it's not exactly new technology. They, they've said it's classified. So it, maybe it's possible that the only reason they need an Android device is not for streaming, like you said, and not for a network connection, like I said. Maybe it's just so you can initially configure it. If that's the case, though, then, then that functionality would eventually go to other uh, other operating systems because you can set up a Chromecast if all you have is a computer with Google Chrome on it. So, is that going to be the case with Android Wear, if if what you're saying is true? Again, we don't know, because we could all be wrong. All three of these different scenarios could all be wrong in the end. And that is, again, the most frustrating thing that we have heard so little about this. Yeah. I'm just wondering when they're going to unshelve the Nexus Q. That's like my... <laughs> They've got I want to wear, wear that on my wrist. Yeah. <laughs> They've got That'll five million units right that are just sitting there in the warehouse waiting to be unboxed. I want a webcam taped to my forehead. I want a Google Now screen on my wrist, and I want a Nexus Q on my shoulder like a parrot. That would be sweet. <laughs> With all the cables dangling off. Like I'll, be, I'll be a Google pirate. <laughs> okay, um, switching into it. We, we've only gotten... Like a third of the way through our headlines. And we're we're slow tonight. Done. You're rambling, man. It's 1 a.m., dude. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Mozilla, uh, the makers of Firefox, have admitted that they don't really have the development team necessary to actually build something that they said they would. Uh, they, they claimed that there was a lack of interest in getting Mozilla Firefox onto the Windows 8 Metro interface, or modern interface. And... They opened it up for beta and said, oh, sorry, no one signed up for beta. I guess we won't make it. Well, then they came back and said, no, we misspoke. It's not that no one signed up for the beta. It's that we realize we don't have enough developers to figure it out. <laughs> Which is unfortunate, I think, uh, because... IE has a modern interface, which is not surprising, obviously, but so does Chrome. In fact, Chrome's modern interface came out before almost any other modern app did. Yep, it was one of the first. So it's really bizarre to me that no one else has a modern browser. Yeah, and I wonder if it's partly uh, due to Mozilla's uh, project of their own operating system. If they're if they put out a metro app or a modern app um, for Firefox, 
is that going to take potential customers away from their future OS, which we still haven't heard anything about since four months ago. Yeah, I mean, if if their team is big enough to make an OS, they can freaking make another browser. Yeah, so I don't I don't know if that's the exact reason. I I think there's other things they're not telling us. I'm not a huge fan of Mozilla lately, to be perfectly honest. Firefox has not worked as advertised for many years. It's fallen behind the curve pretty rapidly. Their development cycle seems to have slowed to a snail's pace, and now they're throwing out weird, you know, excuses. Really. Maybe it's they're kinda, down to just one developer, and he's in his he's in his office, like well, I don't know what to do. So, send out a press release. <laughs> I just graduated college. I don't know what I'm doing here. Man, I should have never left BlackBerry. <laughs> Speaking of leaving BlackBerry, yeah, yeah. So news has come down that the White House is considering ditching BlackBerry for Android, which is kind of huge. For what? Android. Samsung? Well, and here's what's really kind of... Here, here's what's <laughs> scary about that, is that last I checked, Android still wasn't entirely cleared as a secure OS. Mm-hmm. Now, Samsung adds things like Knox, and I know there's other third-party options that does secure it. So I'm not saying Android can't be secured. I'm saying Android at its own default level is not. Now... That was something that was true a while ago. I don't know if KitKat changes that. I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case. But nevertheless, they're switching. Which is interesting. And I, and I would bet I would be willing to bet that they would switch to Samsung because of how secure Knox has gotten. Um, but you're right. If if KitKat itself has those added features. They might you don't think go. you don't think they'd go to Boeing's exploding phone? Uh, no, I think that's reserved for the military. <laughs> <laughs> and well, and you know, it, it is a possibility. I mean, it's it's rock solid, and they have they have the feature in it where uh, it, it's ultra secure from prying eyes. So literally yeah. prying eyes. <laughs> um, let's jump through a couple of our quick headlines here. Going next, first off. Um, Walmart has decided they're going to start opening up the option to sell used games back to them for store credit. This is kind of cool. I don't know how well we'll see it. I don't know. I think the reason I say it's kind of cool is because right now you can go to GameStop and sell your old games, right? And you're going to have some 17-year-old who says, yeah, sorry, uh, I can give you $10 for that game you bought last week. In store credit, if you want cash, it's 3 yeah, I mean, and they very well may be going by some kind of preset list, but you'll never know right. because it just feels so off the cuff. Yeah, I love the fact that they actually now have legit competition. Walmart's going to come in, and Walmart's going to put them out of business if they're not careful. Yeah, Walmart, I mean, if they're not careful, they're going to turn into a place where you buy Pokemon cards, and that's about it. Yep. Hmm. Or the Engage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think they're still the only place that sells that. <laughs> yeah. Um, into uh, other news, 
Evidently, uh, the numbers have come out about the Xbox Xbox One sales. Oh, hey, I need to correct something I said last week while I remember. Uh, I said that Titanfall came out for the Xbox 360. I meant the Xbox One. The Xbox 360 version of Titanfall won't launch until April something. No, March 25th. March 25th? I thought that got moved back to April today. Oh, you may have. Yeah, maybe you're right. I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, it got pushed back, or it's coming out later. That's all we need. Yeah. In any case, the Xbox One sales numbers through February absolutely shattered the uh, the previous uh, console, which is the 360, when it launched um, in 2005. So there was 61% more units of the Xbox One sold in its first month than compared to the Xbox 360. I think that's what I'm trying to say. And that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. That doesn't mean, however, the 360 isn't still selling. In that same amount of time, the 360 still sold another 114,000 units. That's big. So, I mean, I think if anything, this just goes to say that when all those analysts are telling you that Microsoft is making the biggest mistake in the world and the Xbox One is never going to sell and, oh my gosh, what are they thinking? Just tell them to shut up because they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. They seem to be wrong with Microsoft more often than not, and I wonder how much of that comes from just a uh, anti-Microsoft bias on their part, where regardless of what Microsoft does, it's a bad thing, and they're going to fail miserably, and they're going to be out of business next Tuesday. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's just kind of it's the easy route to to poo-poo on them. Oh, it's Microsoft. They're the easy target. They never do anything right. Look, they're just going to get another lawsuit. Bill Gates doesn't know what he's doing. Well, I'm sorry, people. They do. That's why they're still around. Yeah. That's why you use a Windows machine instead of a whatever else that could have come out. A Commodore. And even if you don't, even if you're on an Apple machine, that's why you're using a Bing search engine on your iDevices. Yes. <laughs> It's like, sorry, it's not it, it's not as obscure as you think. Um, evidently, the SEC, the Secure Exchange Commission, is going to start uh, scrutinizing Bitcoin transactions a lot more after a company was sold for Bitcoins. I don't know how you sell a company for a cryptocurrency that doesn't actually exist. I, I'm like speechless to that. How is that even a... How- how? I mean, I can't imagine any title company or or anything allowing that to go through. Yeah. Well, it doesn't get much be- easier after, you know, Mt. Gox completely crashed. It's just, it's just, it's, there's a whole lot of questions that are going up there. And I think the SEC is finally catching on. They need to at least have some sort of policy about this or else things could get really abused really fast. Why do I get the feeling that they'd be the ones doing the abusing? The SEC? Yeah. No, because the SEC is actually in the business of preventing abuse. Allegedly. It's a government. Well, let's not forget that these are the people who finally put <laughs> that uh, public enemy, Martha Stewart, behind bars. Yes. Oh, yes. Let's not forget that. So. Yeah. Fun, fun. Yep. Um... In science news, evidently Einstein was right. If you missed it, the big announcement came out of the academic community 
when final photographic proof of the Big Bang and inflation after the Big Bang was captured. This has been in the works for almost 30 years now, but they were actually able to capture what light looked like 14 billion light years away. Uh, They estimate now that our universe is 28 billion light years in diameter that the explosion of the big bang is 20 is 14 billion light years away and that you can still see remnants of the explosion in this photo. Now, since our universe is not 14 billion years old, it's bigger than it should be. It hasn't had time to expand that far and it hasn't had time to cool, which means that the theory of inflation, that is to say that when the big bang happened, everything exploded out faster than the speed of light it means it's true, as best they can figure. Right, since the numbers just don't add up if put into our current understanding of physics. So that means that at some point, all the matter that makes us up and that ever will exist in our universe was traveling faster than the speed of light. Um, it's, It's kind of humbling to realize how much they figured out about our universe so far and that it's a lot smaller than they thought. And that there might be a lot of other ones as well. Well, I think the real humbling thing about this all is no matter how much they find out, the more they find out, the more they realize they don't know half as much as they thought they did. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's 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 really mind-boggling information to realize. And here we are 100 years ago, Einstein predicted it all. Guy evidently had a clue what he was doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, here he was pretty good at his job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he knew the maths. Now, last headline is kind of a weird one. We don't have a whole lot of time. We need to blow through it pretty fast here. But it turns out that the U.S. government is finally giving up control of the Internet. Say what? <laughs> it turns out that the U.S. government pretty much ran the Internet. It was kind of a U.S. invention. Kind and of. it's it's been mostly under our jurisdiction since its inception. Didn't CERN invent the ARPANET? Oh, that's the Defense Department. Never mind. You're right. Sorry. Yeah. Continue. So, um, yeah, they've been uh, they've been controlling it this entire time, and they finally decided, nope, we're going to give that up. Now, the UN has said that they want to control the internet because that makes sense. And the government has flat out said, no, that is not happening. So I'm not really sure what this means for the most part, but it looks like they're going to try and hand over control over to ICANN, which is the uh, Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers. They're the ones who usually are in charge of all the .coms, .orgs, .whatevers, and it kind of makes sense that they'd be in charge of regulating the Internet as well. Yeah. I don't really foresee we're going to see a lot of difference. I don't like this, though, because... You know, if you have that much power, if you're in control of, I don't know, let's let's compare this to land. If you have control over huge tracts of land. No man controls that. <laughs> you don't just give it up. Why would you just give up that? That makes no sense to me. Well, when you consider everything that happened in the wake of all the revelations of last summer... <laughs> Um, it kind of makes sense, actually, that we would want to give up a bit of that control if only to be able to gain that business back. Because we've lost a lot of faith in the world 
in terms of how we handle the internet. But it's not going to change how they're doing anything. They're still going to be spying on you. Right, but it, it just makes the perception. It- <laughs> Let's look at it this way. Uh, how did we get our consumer GPS technology? Through the military. Through the military, because they upgraded... Oh, I was going to say it at Best Buy. Because they upgraded their GPS technology. How how did we get uh, our consumer bulletproof technology from the military? Because they have upgraded their technology. So what if they're releasing, uh, you know, their control of the internet because they have upgraded to their own better internet? That's a very optimistic way of looking at it. Not a bad way, just a very optimistic way. So, I mean, it, it, it's not un—it's not inconceivable that uh, any one uh, organization could have their own network that's independent of of the internet. And maybe that's maybe that's the case. Maybe our government has their own network. It's not—it's not entirely off the table. So. Their own internet sent to them by their assistant? Through a big, fat pipe. <laughs> I'm glad you guys got that reference. I was worried it's a little too obscure. Oh, no. Oh, Ted Stevens. <laughs> you ignorant fool. Anyway, into our favorites this week. Mine comes from YouTube, as they oft do. Uh, a person put a GoPro onto a drone, a quadricopter drone, and then sped up the footage quite a bit did some really uh, inventive jump cuts and edits and then put themselves in over green screen. And you get basically see what life is like as Superman story goes that Superman finds a camera, puts it on his head and goes flying off to return the camera to its owner. And along the way, he also saves some people, puts out a fire, does you know different things. It's a little bit cheesy. It's a little bit hokey, but it's a really inventive idea. And it's the first really good, representation I've been able to find of what it must be like to see things through Superman's eyes, including getting shot at by a fully automatic weapon. So there's that. And a lot of geeks enjoy documentaries. I know I do. I'll sit down and I can watch documentary on something that I'm interested in all day long. Um, I found a website this morning. In fact, called Documentary Tube. And they have hundreds, if not thousands, of documentaries that you can go and you can watch for free. And it is really pretty cool. Um, I was specifically looking for one called The Soviet Story. Uh, learn a little bit about the history of the Soviet Union with the things that are going on over in the Soviet Union, a.k.a. Russia and Ukraine. Um, but I figured, you know, let's, let's see if I can watch this online somewhere. And I found this website. So if you like documentaries, uh, they've got everything from business to comedy, to conspiracy, uh, to war. I mean, it's, it's awesome. So go check it out. Awesome. Uh, my favorite, uh, is a, uh, revisit from one of my favorites, uh, probably almost a year ago, um, there was a guy that made a, a cube stormer robot out of Lego that solved the Rubik's cube. Well, now he has come out with cube stormer two, um, and it has beaten the world record of, uh, solving the Rubik's cube. Um, it solves Rubik's cube in 3.2 seconds. 
Um, the previous world record was also a robot, um, but I don't remember which one it is. Uh, anyway, the video is awesome. Um, he uses a, Sam, a Galaxy, a Samsung Galaxy S4 uh, as the processing power. And uh, so, if you like Legos or Rubik's Cube or Samsung, give the check this out. Even better if you like all three. Exactly. <laughs> All right, well, that is our show this week. We appreciate you listening. Uh, let us know how we're doing. Feedback at StolenDroids.com, or you can send us a message on Twitter, on Facebook, on Google+, or give us a call, 801-917-GEEK. Let us know if there's anything you'd like to hear us talk about, uh, anything you'd like to hear us add or take away. We're all ears. Until next time, cheers. End of line. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.